This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast, along with uh, Mike Evans, Mark Slareth here, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Core Water. Hydrate with Core.com. Crisp, clean, award-winning taste. Uh, I'll tell you what, pH balance to match your body's balance so that you perform at your best or your body's pH, not your balance. Wouldn't be your body's balance. Hmm. Your body's pH, not your body's balance. So it's going to work. Just trust me. There's science behind this, science that I can't possibly understand because all I did was make a volcano during science fair. (laughs) Everybody makes volcanoes during science fair. That's Core Water, hydrate with Core dot com for more information mike how are you buddy well, you know it's funny because you gave us some core water hats and de huff who's constantly our uh-huh. producer de huff who is constantly putting family photos on facebook apparently he needs somehow to try to prove that he's like you know father of the year material mm-hmm. uh was out uh, i think it was tobogganing with your son and he was rocking his uh core water winter hat yeah his uh oh. we were out sledding yeah, yeah. And he, he was wearing right. that he goes well, that's his that's his hat yeah not mine anymore okay well you know i also got scott a hat when uh i went and did the bar stools <laughs> thing it was a nice camo hat and i really wanted it but scott was like man that's a really cool hat so I was like, all right, Scott, you can have the hat. And I give it to Scott. He goes out that night and loses it. Uh, was, I, oh, I don't remember what. And here, like, this is why you can't have nice was, things, he Scott. Was he, he was drunk. He was drunk. No, here, here's what's funny about that is that hat. It was a camouflage bar stools hat. Really cool hat. Everywhere I went that day that I was wearing it, everybody came up to me. Dude, that's a cool hat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sweet, cool. Yeah, I got a good hat. And then I was on the bus riding home from uh, we were covering something. Drunk Fest, I think is where yes, it was. Drunk, Drunk Fest, Fest Atlanta, two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then uh, I left it on the bus. So thanks, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my question to you is: Okay, why would you wear your hat all day long, and then you get on the bus after drinking, and go, "Ooh, man, I got to take this hat off and just set it here beside me on the bus." My like, hat. Whoa. My head was sweaty. Oh Jesus. Oh. Well, you. Mark, Lord you, you, mercy. oh my God, shut up. Apparently, he gets like the meat sweats or something. You yeah. Know? Meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> I've had meat sweats before. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. When I went to that place and I ate, I must have eaten 14 pounds of meat. <laughs> I mean, I had, like, the next morning, I, I gave birth to a meat baby. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I swallowed it. 
I swallowed it in, <laughs> in cloth and just oh. loved it. Um, yeah, it was awful. I was up at like 3 in the morning just sweating a, going, I don't feel comfortable. That's, I don't a, that's feel a great endorsement. Uh, well, no, it, it's, have you ever had those moments like, like okay, the combine's going on in Indy. Uh-huh. Oh, and and so the last time I was in Indy was for a Super Bowl, and um, I was doing the, our our morning show with Joel Klatt at the time, the great Joel Klatt, who is uh, at at Fox Sports, uh, lead college football analyst. So he and I we went out to dinner the first night we were in Indianapolis, and I had a fried cheeseburger. So imagine, you know, like when you get an onion ring. Uh-huh. You know how an onion ring looks and feels, the, right. the texture of an onion ring? So imagine a giant onion ring, case, skin, exterior, with a cheeseburger Ooh. inside of it. Mark, I ate this entire thing, uh-huh. and it was the only time in my life where I was like, oh, I that that was not smart. Right. I mean, it was like, that that was wrong. That, that was... That was too much, and um, the next next couple of days, all I ate was fish and salad. Right, and it so scared that, me. And that's me. when you went to Indianapolis. At the you were at the Indianapolis. Well, we we're at combine. the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. I've never covered the combine. Right. Have yeah. you? Did you go to the combine? No, no, no. Uh, I did not get invited to the combine. I was not one of the what three hundred or so people that were deemed worthy to be combine invites wait a minute you played in the nfl for how many years 12 and you didn't get invited to the combine no no you bothered by that at all as you look back on it all i see i would think that'd be a badge of honor like combine this it is i you know it's the combine is to me it's kind of ridiculous it's um yeah, you, know, you still go out to everybody's pro days anyhow, right? The whole combine thing. And and it's such, like now it's become, to me it's become such a farce because all guys do is train for their combine. Like it, it's not a real test of, first off, it's an athletic endeavor. So it's not really a test of your football acumen or your football you know your football skill set. It's a it's a test of what kind of athlete are you. And I've told you this before, Mike. I mean, the last forty you ever run is if you run a good combine forty, you'll never run another forty. You know, with twelve years of playing, and the last vertical jump, the last the last forty time, the last you know eye test, the last bench press test I ever did was in nineteen eighty nine. And and once you make it in the league, once you get drafted. You don't ever do it. So if it's such a great indicator, why aren't you doing it every year? Why is not? Why does every team not line you up and do forties every year to make sure you haven't lost a step? You can either play or you can't play, and and that's all it is. It's an athletic endeavor, you know, to see what kind of athlete you are. But it has nothing to do with your football skills, and and so, you know, I, there's a, there's a certain amount of bitterness that I have about not being invited to it um, and the kind of idiotic nature of why we put so much weight into um, athleticism, which to me is a little bit on the on the crazy side. But there's got to be some value in it. There has to be something out of all these drills. Look, you in, in your role as a – Fox NFL analyst, you, uh-huh. you go around and you are around different teams and you see how they do things, how they conduct business. There's got to be something to the idea that, hey, look, we we want to draft this player, you know, because he's 
his arms are this length, or right. we want to draft this player, but we can't draft him in this round, but maybe a later round, you know, because his arms are too short. I, I mean, things right. like that, or I mean, there's got to be something that these teams see as a value, isn't there? Well, I yeah, I don't know what I don't know what that is, Mike. I mean, if they've got parameters. So I, I was talking to an NFL coach who said, "Man, all I want to do is look at the film." And I look at a guy on film and say, "Man, this guy's making every play or this guy's always in the right area or whatever. I want that guy. That's the guy I'd like to draft." And then I hand that off to the scouting department, and the scouting department as long as they fit in the athletic parameters. So the guy's got to run at, at certain positions. You know, your your defensive backs. You got to run, um, you know, you got to run, let's call it a between a 4-4 and a 4-5-5 for a corner, let's say. And if you run over a 4-5-5, although Rich Sherman ran 4-5-6, but, you know, right in that area, um, anything anything over a 4 Let's say anything over a four or five, anything four, six and above, you know, it docks you down athletically a little bit. So like, give me give me a guy. I don't care if he's in the low end of that realm or the high end of that realm. As long as he's in that realm, he's draftable at, you know, at kind of where we want to draft him. So I, I guess it's more of a, a way to kind of check boxes. And that's the problem. Let's check all these boxes. And by checking boxes, you don't ever have to put yourself out there on a limb. You know, if, if you say, hey, you know, this guy ran this fast, he was this big, he bench pressed this much, he did this, this, that, hey, now I give him to you. And if he doesn't excel, well, that's your fault as a coaching staff. As a scout, I get to keep my job because he checked every box. And I think I just think that that is a, a, a scapegoat way of going through the draft. And I think a lot of teams use it, Mike. I think a lot of teams protect themselves. A lot of guys are, well, first off, a lot of guys are nutless. So they don't want to put their name on anything. They don't want to say, hey, man, I evaluated the film, and this guy is awesome. They just want to be able to check boxes and go, hey, not my responsibility. You know, we live in a world where, uh, you know, where where everybody knows their, their rights and very few guys know their responsibilities. They don't want to put their name on it because they don't want to be responsible for it. And my, you know, my understanding of, of playing in this league and covering it all these years is – you got to draft football players. And the only way you can find out if a guy's a football player or not is study his tape and see exactly what he does on a football field. I'll give you an example. And, you know, we, you tend to use the Patriots a lot as an example for, for you know, because they're, they're the Patriots, right? And I take a look at a lot of the guys they have on defense. And they just submitted one of the great defensive performances ever in the history of the Super Bowl, holding the high-flying Rams to, I believe, 29 points below their their season average. And, and a guy that comes to mind as you were talking about that is like Dante Hightower. I, I think if you, if you plop Dante Hightower down the middle of this combine all of a sudden this week and asked him to go through all the drills, he, he, it would probably be embarrassing. Right. You know what I mean? It would yeah. probably be embarrassing. He'd probably get literally circles run around him by – all the these these studs, and yet there's a guy who always, always seems to be in the right place, right time to make a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's understanding. That's understanding what you're being coached to do. Um, having that knowledge 
and being able to anticipate. I've always said, you know, the, the thing about the draft to me is your anticipatory skills. Like, how quickly do you process information? Can you see things before they happen and react to them? That's that's what makes you a great football player. Your reaction time, that short burst quickness, all that kind of stuff. That That's, to me, the more important part. But, you know, we get enamored with, you know, I keep seeing on Instagram and the NFL and the Combine and, and all these different networks, ESPN, Fox, uh, NFL Network, releasing like, oh, here's the fat, the – the five fastest 40s ever run, you know, at the Combine. Um, and and it's just fascinating to me because, you know, like, does that make you a, a great football player? Well, no, it just makes you really fast at running the 40. Like, it makes you really good at that. So, you know, there's just a lot of teams. That, there's a lot of teams that um, that don't want to actually do the work they want all the boxes checked so they don't get, you know, so they don't get fired. Um, and I think that's what it, you know, I think that's what it comes down to. And I don't know. I it just like the combine is kind of a double-edged sword for me. Um, you know, I like I understand why they do it. But I think oftentimes they look at, at a lot of the wrong things. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, here's my little tinfoil cap conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist I, I think for where we're at now where these athletes show up they've they've already practiced all the drills they're going to go through even the interviewing process which is mm-hmm. supposedly one of the real kind of hidden benefits of that yeah I, I think that's even kind of been diminished because these guys they get coached they get coached as right. to what they might be asked and, and how to respond so how much of what you're getting from the the athletes, real. I, I th- you know what I think it is. I think it's it's almost kind of everybody's in on this. Like we know the NFL is a 365 day a year beast that needs to be mm-hmm. fed, and football is so popular. The combine is part of it. People can't get enough of it. It's right. on television. People love the the press conferences and the coaches and the general managers talking. I I almost wonder if these guys, all the participants, are kind of in on the joke. You know what I mean? Like, hey, right. look, here's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah, we hope to get a little something out of it, but in the end, we're trying to promote the game. We're just, we're right. just, we're just feeding the beast. Yeah, I can see that. Here, let me. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know what the four fastest, the four fastest, forties uh, ever run at the combine were? I'll give you the top four. I'll start from four down. Okay, you ready? You ready for these names? Darius Hayway or Ward Bay, number four. How was his career? Hey, he's that downfield threat that Al Davis wanted, right? Right. But he's been average at best, oh, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. J.J. Nelson. How many big – how many – Yep. Okay. Yep. Marquise Goodwin. Ugh. Yeah. He's been okay for San Francisco. Yeah, but – All right. And lastly, John Ross. Four fastest 40s ever recorded. There's all four of them receivers, and they probably have a combined last year. I would. Have, I bet you they have a combined – Catch total of under fifty. Thank you. Right. Yep. Maybe Marquise Goodwin has you know forty five. I I think John Ross had about twenty. I mean, uh, like it certainly isn't the end all, be all. So I, I just think you have to be very careful about how you you know go about evaluating players and you know what your criteria is and all that kind of stuff. I just think that that whole thing is something that you really need. Um, you know, you really need to take with a grain of salt. And I think the, you know, the interview process and everything else, I think, is probably more important. I guess, I guess it would come down to this, Mike. 
medical is the number one thing. And then trying to get, trying to really kind of have a guy speak to a guy and just get his overall football knowledge intelligence, you know, and kind of just football acumen would be the number two thing. And then all the athletic endeavors would be the third thing from an important standpoint that I think it, uh, that, you know, that, that matters. The other thing is it does give us a chance to, to hear from the key decision makers, general managers, coaches. Like I'll give you an example. And, we we had a chance to hear from Vic Fangio, who's the new coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh-huh. And Patrick Mahomes is coming off an MVP winning season. And he said something that really interested me. And and you tell me how much it explains the just unbelievable breakout success that Patrick Mahomes has had. Fangio said he has athletic arrogance. Right. What, yeah. what does that mean? Because it sounds cool. Yeah, athletic arrogance sounds like I always uh, like. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence, right? Arrogance, like arrogance, comes from a place of of fear to me. Like you become arrogant because you ultimately know one that you've been blessed, but two that you really haven't done the work. Ooh, okay. So you have some. You have some. You know, bravado about mm, you. Good work. That yeah. You've got to. You've got to go out there, and you've got to. Uh, you know, you've got to to talk a lot of crap, and you got to do a lot of that kind of pounding your chest, right? That that's arrogance, and arrogance is ugly. I think. I, I don't think arrogance. I think arrogance is is false. I think it's fake. Now, confidence comes from a place where I know that I've been touched by the hand of God, and that I've been blessed to do this, and I put in the work. That's when you're ultimately your best confident. Now, I think athletic arrogance, I, I think what Fangio was really, was really talking about, in my perspective, is athletic confidence. Like, I've been blessed and I've done the work. And I, I've heard it said that before, athletic arrogance. You just, you just have that ability. You have that swagger about you. You, you believe in yourself to the point where you're just going to go out and compete. The thing about, the thing about, um, Patrick Mahomes is that guy's done the work. You know, he is he prepares, he studies, he's 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 you know, he's been mentored by Alex Smith, one of the best in the business when it comes to kind of mentoring and being prepared. And Alex Smith is one of those guys that, you know, got a I think he I think he might have gotten a perfect score on the Wonder League. He's a super smart dude. But um I would I don't like the word arrogance, but that's what he's talking about. He's he's talking about athletically just gifted. Um, blessed by the hand of God that you can do things that other people can't. And, oh, by the way, you still have got the work ethic to continue to grind and do those things and prepare so that you're ready um, regardless of what the situation is. So that, some of those, that, to me, is athletic arrogance. So some of those throws that Mahomes makes, you know, the uh, throwing back across his body, which you're never supposed to do, back to the middle of the field, or some of those, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden he just kind of drops the arm angle and makes a, a, a sideways throw or no-look pass. That's that's athletic arrogance, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know I I know I can do it. Maybe even I've practiced it, and I got the balls to do it in, in those kind of situations. Right, I've got the balls to do it. I'm going to go out there and get it done. And you know I think part of part of being intelligent though is when are you going to do it? Mm. Like when you think about Patrick Mahomes and some of those throws he made, 
Like, I remember one against the Baltimore Ravens that ultimately won the game for the Kansas City Chiefs where he throws it all the way across yep. the field after he's scrambling around and Tyreek Hill finds a way to come down with the ball. Well, he threw that because desperate times, desperate measures. Like, he had great awareness of the situation they were in, and it was fourth down and whatever, and if I don't make a play, the game's over. If I, I make this throw and it gets picked off, well, the game's over. Either way, the game's over. So I got to give my team a chance to win. Like, making that those athletic, arrogant plays in in the proper context or proper situation. And I think, you know, I think the guys who are prepared do that, as opposed to the Jay Cutlers of the world who – the, the game's not on the line, and they throw it into a team meeting because I've got great arm strength, you know? And you're like, dude, you just threw a pick in the red zone, and you already had a three-point lead. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, I didn't see Patrick Mahomes make the stupid plays. I saw him make some desperate plays that, that worked in his favor because he's so freaking talented. But they were desperate plays because there, there were desperate times that, that required – him making that play at that time. Uh, at the risk of offending, for all the folks from Louisiana listening right now, mm-hmm. you might want to turn away because... Um, all the 25 million people that live in New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> Is it 25 you gotta, million? You got to bring that up, right? So, <laughs> so folks, so so we were trying to explain, we were having this conversation on the on the radio about why the Super Bowl ratings were down like right. they were, and they were down by like, um, you know, like 14 million or something from mm-hmm. last year. Right. I said, well, <laughs> I said, there's a good chance that most of those numbers are just disgruntled Saints fans who just refuse to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, there's how many people in Louisiana? 25 million? Right. <laughs> there's like maybe, I don't know, three, five, five, five or something. at the yeah. most. So. Yeah, some fuzzy math right there, but Man, but happens. at the risk of um, all you Louisiana fans, Saint fans, uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be any instant replay changes. So that uh, PI call mm-hmm. not going to be reviewed. And what did I say as soon as that happened, Mike? As soon as as soon as it happened, we're on the air the next day. What did I say was going to happen in regards to changing instant replay? That it wouldn't. That it wouldn't. Absolutely nothing will happen. And, you know, I say it all the time. We're selling crack to crack addicts. Let it die down. Act really concerned about it. It's like from the it's it's from the managing managing expectations 101 handbook written by the NFL or managing, you know, crisis by the NFL. You know, make a statement. We're really going to review this. You know, there's a remember that the reports from Adam Schefter and the likes were, hey, there's a real groundswell of support for looking at uh changing subjective rules during the course of an NFL game. And so everybody got, all right, now we're going to look at it. Good. It's about time we looked at it, right? And then it dies down for a while, and then they actually all get together. And and what happens? Yeah, we're not going to make any changes to that, no significant changes. Human error is part of the whole deal. And, you know, they just know that you'll be back. Here's the thing that the NFL has that nobody else has. When the NBA season starts, now – Denver notwithstanding, because Denver's been a great story, and they're the number two seed in the West right now. They've got a legitimate shot with 22 games left to be the number one seed in in the Western Conference to overtake, usurp the Golden State Warriors. But the bottom line is everybody knew before the season started that the Golden State Warriors are going to be really good and probably would represent the West 
in the um, in the NBA championship, correct? Yeah. That I mean, and when LeBron was back in Cleveland, you knew it was going to be the Cleveland, it was going to be the Warriors, the, the, the uh, Cavaliers and the Warriors. And, you know, now um, you look at the best team, it's probably Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference, right? But um, this, this year notwithstanding, a little bit different, but for the most part, you kind of know who the players are. In the NFL, hope springs eternal. Like the NFL has done such a great job with parity and creating opportunity that every year, I mean, one year the Atlanta Falcons are in the Super Bowl, the next year, you know, they're not in the playoffs. Or maybe it was two years later they're not in the playoffs. But whatever it is, there's always a ton of turnover. Like it's it's been one of those situations where I think it's like for 15, 16 straight years – of the 12 playoff teams that played in the in the playoffs the year before, there's like seven or eight changes, Mike. Mm-hmm. So I think the great thing is you can be pissed off if you're a New Orleans Saints fan. You can be angry about the whole thing. But the bottom line is you're going to flip on the NFL and the Saints games because why? Because they got a chance to be really good next year. And you don't want to miss it. Well, I hope the Saints fans heard the end of that. That was good. Right, well, but that's the way it is. Yep. So that's that's the and they know they rely on. Oh, that. they'll be back. They know you're addicted. They know I'm addicted. They know we're all addicted. And and as pissed off as we get, guess what we do? We come back. We're sheep. Yeah, it's okay. Bah, nothing wrong with that. No, we're NFL sheep. <laughs> I don't even know where. Well, uh, this part uh, will. This part will edit. No, no, no. We don't need it. You don't There's, need it. Like NFL sheep. I was thinking of a what if you combined NFL and sheep? What would you get? Uh, like, can you combine those two things? Like, like football and sheep. Football and sheep. Fleep. Oh, fleep. Flea, I see. I thought see you what were I was like, trying to do there. Geez, I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah. Normally, I, I, was, I can read you, but right. Well, we're not in the same that was room. A, that was a. So. That was like we're blank fleep. canvas. We're right a bunch there. of fleep. Be a bunch of fleep. Yeah, a bunch of fleep around here. Yeah. On that note. Yeah, on that note, it, it is time to go. Hey, if you like this podcast, you can find it at all kinds of iTunes and Stitcher or something like that. or And Spotify. Spotify, Google, oh, yeah. Google Play, TuneIn. Yeah. A lot of places. Tell your friends. Right, tell your friends, tell your family. If you don't like this podcast, keep your freaking mouth shut. Yeah, keep it to yourself. We're also yeah. on Facebook, Stinking Truth Podcast. Like the page. I post all the episodes up there, plus any little silly. Do you put the things. videos up? Ah. Yeah, I, 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 I put the one, the Folks, Oscar video one up there. You got to check out the video. Me and Mark paying tribute to Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. It's beautiful. That's all we're going to say. It was it's, beautiful. It, it, it was, is. It is beautiful. The emotion was real. You no. might have to smoke a cigarette yeah. afterwards. Yeah. No yep. question about it. Yep. All right. Uh, for everybody involved, man, thank you guys so much for our, our, our uh, presenting sponsor, uh, the great folks over at Core Water. We'll be back with you later on in the week. Thank you so much for listening to the Stinking Truth Podcast. The Stinking Truth Podcast presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinking Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.